Welcome to another episode of Optimum 7 Surge Sessions, our weekly e-commerce, digital marketing, and technology podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Surge. This week, we will talk about six e-commerce best SEO practices. Joe, we do SEO on a weekly basis. We do it for our clients. We do it for our own website. We do it for our SaaS and software companies. And it's one of the most important things in marketing, in running a business, because the money that you make from SEO, the leads that you get from SEO are very, very sweet. Now, we have a list of six things that we need to pay attention to, so I'm going to get right to it. Number one, content hierarchy. Talk to us about content hierarchy and why it's incredibly important for any e-commerce business out there. Yeah, absolutely. So your content hierarchy is essentially how your users are going to navigate through the site. Um, but at the same time, this is also how Google's going to crawl and understand your website as well. So when you have a nice, clean content hierarchy, meaning I have a category, then I have a subcategory, and then I have products within that subcategory, and it flows nicely, one, from a usability standpoint, and two, from a crawl standpoint. So when you have a proper content hierarchy in place, not only will you see your site getting crawled more often, getting crawled easier and indexed more by Google, but you'll notice that the usability on your site will increase. Users will be able to navigate easier, find the products that they're looking for, and therefore lead to higher conversion rates. Got it. So content hierarchy has to do with keyword universes. So if you're selling refrigerators and TVs on the same website, yes, these are under electronics, but it's very unlikely unless you're Amazon, Walmart, or a billion dollar company that you're gonna rank on page one of Google for both of those, those category pages. So you need to make sure that your content hierarchy is in line with your product selection and that's in line with the keywords that you target, the keyword universes that you're going after. Number two, Joe, in stock and out of stock products. We see a lot of clients do this. We see large uh, e-commerce businesses, billion dollar e-commerce businesses do this and make mistakes like Macy's and Nordstrom and etc. What is the deal with removing the out of stock products from the website? <laughs> So removing products from your website can cause tons of issues. Um, one of them being not implementing proper 301 redirects once you remove them. And now all of a sudden you have tons of 404 pages. This is one of the biggest mistakes that we see e-commerce store owners make. Just because an item is out of stock doesn't necessarily mean you need to remove it from your site. Right. So at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're reducing the amount of content that you have on your site, reducing your product offering. Therefore, Google now sees you don't have as many products as your competitors. Right. So and not to mention very important here, I'm going to step in, not to mention the fact that that keyword or that product could be, you know, on the top page of on the first page of Google for 200 different terms. Mm -hmm. And once you remove that, you lose all that traffic. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what you would want to do in that in that instance, when you have an out of stock item, think to yourself, will this item ever come back in stock? If so, do not touch it. Right. Number two, if I'm never going to have this item back in stock, however, they either made a new model or there's another alternative to this product. What I'm going to do is on that product page, I am going to have a button that references the new model and redirect those individuals from that page to the new model, 
right? So at the end of the day, what it comes down to is never remove your out-of-stock items. You always want that there because some of those products that you had is could have been the reason why you're ranking on page one in the first place. Yep. And the best example for this, Amazon, they were the first ones to do this. Hey, there's a product, there's a newer version, they have a link. Mm-hmm. And when was the last time you ever saw a 404 on Amazon? Even if they don't have it, even if that's not that product is not for sale, it is there and you will see that uh, that product there forever. They don't ever delete a product. They might remove it from their sitemap, but they never remove a product. Number three, URL structure for functionalities. We have been seeing this for years now. Uh, there is there are some plugins for search for search and filter functionality on Shopify and Shopify Plus, and the URL structure that these search filters create can be a nightmare. Talk to us about that problem. Absolutely. So what these plugins and tools do is they will start dynamically creating new URLs based off of your search queries, and at times some of these plugins don't have the ability for you to go in and say you know no index no follow meaning do not crawl these pages do not index these pages um so now all of a sudden you have tons of these different weird search query urls starting to get indexed on google diluting your authority for the actual category page in which those keywords would typically rank for um and then in addition to that let's say you have one of those uh you know unique search query URL starting to rank, that page essentially doesn't exist on your site. So there's really no way of you going in and trying to optimize that page to increase your visibility for those keywords. So at the end of the day, those types of URL structures caused by those plugins kind of stunt your growth in terms of of SEO. Um, In the short term, yes, it'll boost the amount of URLs that you have indexed. However, in the long run, it's just going to dilute your authority for those really important keywords that you're trying to rank for. And we see this across the board, by the way, for Shopify, for Big Commerce, Magento, Volusion, WooCommerce. Sometimes you'll implement a functionality and it solves one part of your problem, your process, your operations, or your marketing. However, it will break some SEO elements. So be very careful when you implement a plugin or an add on or an app that it does not break anything or it does not change anything from an SEO standpoint. Number four, Joe, product and category descriptions. The issue that we see here is some e-commerce businesses will copy their manufacturer's descriptions exactly as is, number one. And number two, they will just have a list of products on the category page with no content on the category page. So if my category page is Christmas shirts and I have 20 products listed under that category, I better have some content in that category page. Talk to us why this is so important for SEO, these unique descriptions for products mm-hmm. and these long unique descriptions on category pages. Yeah, I mean, unique descriptions for products is absolutely necessary. Again, if you're taking a manufacturer's product description and you're slapping it on your site, guess what? There are hundreds, if not thousands of other sites selling that same exact product, doing the same exact thing. So in that case, Google does not see that content as unique, therefore will not rank you above your competitors for that specific, uh, for that specific product. Um, and then, or if they <laughs> rank you, I, I want to yeah. step in here, or if they rank you, you don't have the upper hand in SEO and in content, you always need to think, how can I differentiate myself from the competition? Correct. 
Correct. So then going into category descriptions, um, these are very important because what this allows you to do is it allows you to now expand your keyword universe for more broad terms. What you would want to do in this situation is try to understand search intent, right? So if I'm searching for a Christmas t-shirt with a Christmas tree and candy cane, I'm most likely going to have a product start ranking. That is very, very specific, right? That is very, very specific. I'm most likely going to have my, my product that has the, the Christmas tree with candy cane. That's going to rank. However, if I were to type in something like cute Christmas t-shirts, now that's the opportunity that my category page should rank. Um, and if you don't have a category description sprinkling in some of those semantic terms, cute Christmas tees, Christmas shirts for the family, right? You will never have that category page start ranking for those more broad terms that are going to bring in far more traffic than those really specific terms uh, that that your product pages will start ranking for. Got it. So write unique product descriptions and write detailed category descriptions. But that's not enough. That brings us to number five, which is backlinks, earned media versus paid media. Now, backlinks to these pages are incredibly important. Most e-commerce websites that we see will have a ton of backlinks to the homepage and maybe some backlinks to the top category pages and no deep backlinks. Deep backlinks mean that your sub-subcategory that sells cute Christmas t-shirts need to ha- needs to have at least three, four, five legitimate backlinks to, the t- to that page to actually rank. Go right now and Google Christmas shirts and see who's on top three. You're going to see Amazon. I, I think number one is Etsy. I think you're going to see Amazon. You're going to see Tease to Your Door. Tease to Your Door is an Optimum 7 client. And the only reason that they rank there is because of the product descriptions, the category descriptions, as well as the deep backlinks to that page. So it's a great example for us to show you. Now, when it comes to deep backlinks, uh, Joe, what is the best way to do deep backlinks for e-commerce businesses? One of the best and also one of the easiest ways to do uh, deep backlinks is to go after guest blog posts, right? Find a niche uh, blog within your industry and reach out to them. Obviously, you want to look at their domain authority, ensure that they have good, solid domain authority. Um, I would say anywhere between 25 to 45 plus is what the range that you want to look, uh, look for. Obviously, the higher the domain authority, the more difficult it might be to get that backlink. Um, but that's one of the easiest ways. Pay very close attention to the anchor text. Uh, that you want that backlink to have. Like Duran said, if you're trying to rank for Christmas shirts, cute Christmas shirts, you want to make sure that you diversify those anchor texts to be able to cover all of those different semantic terms that you want that page to rank for. So Joe just talked about paid media. Paid media means I pay another website to do a guest post or a review that's relevant to what I am going after or what I'm trying to rank for. Then you have earned media. Earned media is PR. So if I took a specific business that sells Christmas shirts from $500,000 to $5 million, then I go to a PR specialist or, or I go to an author and I say, hey, can you interview me because I have a legitimate business around this niche? Then an article gets published on Forbes that says, how Duran Insi made Christmas shirts popular again, right? That's earned media. 
you're earning that media because there's a story behind that media. So the more you grow in e-commerce, if you're going from three, four, five million dollars and up, you're going to need some earned media. You're going to need some PR uh, and you're going to need some um, some buzz around your business and what you're trying to achieve with that business. Uh, and number six is not actually about the CEO, Joe, but I wanted to add it here. You asked me why I added that. It has nothing to do with SEO. We added uh, nurture funnels, average order volume, lifetime value, and cost per acquisition. The reason that we added this is because marketing is now integrated with your finances and with the way that you calculate the lifetime value of your customer. Talk to me about nurture, Joe. What does this mean? I, and I'll ask a specific question. I'm doing $5 million. I've never done dynamic nurture. I've never done email nurture or email marketing. What am I leaving on the table? So if you're doing $5 million annually, you're at least leaving half a million dollars on the table if you're not doing dynamic nurture. So what implementing a dynamic nurture funnel allows you to do is it allows you to capitalize on the second, third, fourth, fifth touch point rather than relying on that first touch attribution to get your sale. So we know that SEO is always going to deliver the highest conversion rate, right? It's the most specific search term that's going to lead to the product that you're selling. However, your customers are out, are weighing the pros and cons between your product versus your competitors. So how can you grab them, email address, uh, enter to win any way that you can possibly grab them to throw them into this nurture funnel so you can make sure that you are consistently touching base with them. So when it comes time for them to make that purchase decision, you're on the forefront of their mind. Now, here is why nurture funnels and email nurture funnels for e-commerce are very essential. Number one, average user now has seven seconds of an attention span. Number two, Average user now needs 26 touch points to be able to do business with your brand, to feel confident about doing business with your brand. And number three, if you don't have your average order volume, the lifetime value of a customer, and the cost per acquisition per new customer nailed down, you will never calculate how much you need to spend to go from $2 million in annual revenue to four, five, six, 10, 20. Because if you have that formula in place, and if you can truly say, my average order volume is $100, it costs me $20 to acquire a new customer, and the lifetime value of my customer is $1,000, then from the eyes of an investment fund, from the eyes of a VC, bank, another business that's trying to acquire you, your employees, your CFO, you are a legitimate and profitable business that can scale fast. So those are the six tips that we have for today. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Optimum 7 Surge Sessions. Do you have a suggestion for a topic you'd like us to cover? Or simply have a question about one of the topics we have previously covered? Send us an email to info at Optimum7.com or visit our website, www.Optimum7.com. 